Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. Are you doing the best for your client to help them create their legacy? Are you creating a plan that goes far beyond finances to help people ensure that it becomes the driving force behind all decisions? On this podcast, hosts Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller will help you with growing your practice and your client's peace of mind. Together, they bring the best and brightest minds to share with you how to help your clients develop their best legacy. And now, here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan. Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. I'm your guest host, attorney Adam Diamond with Diamond Legal in Illinois. Diamond Legal is your family's law firm, helping with divorce, wills, trusts, and real estate closings in Northern Illinois. Today, my guest is financial planning expert, Jim, is it Hendricks? Hendricks, no relation. So the, um, with Hendricks Wealth and Estate Management, did I get it right? You did. So thank you so much for joining me, Jim. Thanks for the invitation. So, Jim, how did you end up becoming a financial advisor? Uh, how did I become a financial advisor? It's a bit of a long story. I'll try to make, keep it to the Cliffs notes, but uh, I wanted to play first base for the Cubs. That didn't end up working out, but I've always been <laughs> into numbers and statistics. And uh, back when I went to school, I since I had a pretty good idea I wasn't going to play first base for the Cubs, I went into sports journalism in school. And as I was trying to forward that career forward, realized that it probably wasn't going to lead to the type of lifestyle that I wanted as far as raising a family and income wise. So I decided to look for something else. And I didn't know what that something else was going to be. Uh, always had the numbers acumen and had a lot of people in my life at the time that were in the accounting arena. So decided to get into accounting. And as I got into accounting, uh, passed the CPA exam, went on to work for a couple of different companies, was doing debits and credits and helping a, a particular company sell big gray boxes. And that wasn't, it was it was okay, but it wasn't really rewarding. And when I was doing that along the same time, I started investing on my own and decided I enjoyed it. And I felt like I could help people invest or build a financial plan better than I can help this company sell these big gray boxes. So that led me to taking the plunge into the world of financial planning, started off working for one of those big companies where I would have been, had to wear a shirt and tie right now had I been doing this presentation uh, went off on my own in 2004 and have never looked back. So that's the that's the Cliff's Notes. Wow, that's quite a journey. How would you describe what you do? We help people build plans to make sure that they are on a path to at least, at a minimum, maintain their standard of living, their current standard of living, for the rest of their lives. If I had to say in one sentence, that's what we do, that's what we do. Uh, we do it. There's obviously a lot that goes into that. But in one sentence, that's what we do. We help people maintain their standard of living, make sure they're on pace to maintain their current standard of living for the rest of their lives. Wow. Do you work with a specific age group of clients or is it is it a wide variety? A certain age group. So it's between age. Uh, well, if we're looking at official account holders, it's between age 18 and uh, 95 as of today. So <laughs> the age range is, is the range we're, we're, we're stuck to right now. So if you're 17 or 96, you're out of luck. Yeah, 17, we can have an account for you, but you can't open it on your own. Uh, if you can get a custodian to sign for you, then we're golden. And um, I just don't know anybody who owns an account that's old age, older than age 95 right now. So <laughs> if we come across a 97-year-old, I guess we'll bend our rules. So when you're formulating this plan of maintaining, you said, the standard of living mm-hmm. that the client currently enjoys, what are the pieces or components that go into that plan? There's quite a few. We have a written financial plan that every single one of our clients 
has that we work with that we kind of use as the backbone of what we do. And in that, we take their current age, their life expectancy, we make an assumption for inflation, we take factor in how much social security they'll receive, if any, how much pension they'll receive, if any. We take their, I guess one important ingredient of it is a lot of people, if you ask them, what is your standard of living? How much are you living on? They take their their budget and they'll start at the bottom and go up. And they'll say, okay, we spend uh, $500 on our car payment, $2,500 on our mortgage and keep adding it up. And then they'll add up to a monthly budget. Invariably, we found that that misses something or misses a lot. So instead of what we do is we do a top down. So we take your income and we know that you either save or spend every single dollar of income that you bring into your household. And then we know some of the expenses that you have will change when you retire, if you're not retired yet. Uh, your things like your FICA taxes that you're paying, which are your social security and your Medicare taxes you're paying, those will go away when you retire. Um, your mortgage might go away. You might have some expenses for your children that will go away. Your health care spending will change. So if you're self-employed and you're paying for health care now, that's probably a lot more expensive than what Medicare will be for you in the future. So that'll change. But on the other hand, if you're working for a company now and they're covering the lion's share of your health care expenses, that your, your personal level of expenditure might go up when you retire, once you're on Medicare. So we factor all of those things in. We factor in your current investment balances. We make assumptions for investment returns, both before and after retirement. We fa factor in the effect of taxes, uh, state taxes. For instance, those people who live in Illinois, I don't know what the broadcast range of this is. You and I are both in Illinois. But for people in Illinois, they are paying Illinois state caps to state taxes on their earned income as working employees. But when they retire, based on our state constitution, they won't pay Illinois state income taxes any longer. So we factor that in as well, as long as people plan to reside in Illinois. And people outside of Illinois, we factor in whatever state they plan to live in or do currently live in as well. So a lot of it, a lot of factors go into that equation. I didn't even touch all of them. But so a lot of things go into that equation and then we bunch it all together. And then we solve for X. Uh, if people want to retire at 65, we can tell them what type of lifestyle they're on pace to live at 65. And if that's at least as good as their current lifestyle or not. And if they're not matching their current lifestyle, we tell them what they need to do in order to ramp things up so that they can afford to maintain their current lifestyle throughout their retirement years. So you don't take a cookie cutter, one size fits all approach. Uh, not to sound too much like a commercial, but no, we don't. We don't take a, a cookie, cookie cutter, one size fits all approach. Yeah. But it sounds like you take the time to understand everyone's unique situation. Yeah, we, we feel like we can't really take, uh, um, I don't want to bash other investment advisors, but a lot of investment advisors will just, they're just investment managers. Mm -hmm. I feel like I can't manage an investment unless I know what that dollar is going to be used for. So every dollar has to have a plan and I can't make, for me to make an investment recommendation without knowing the plan would be for me akin to a doctor writing a prescription without making a diagnosis. So we feel like we have to have a, a, a purpose for every dollar and without performing the plan without sitting and getting to know that client's particulars without working these, that, that illustration that I provided for you, we, we really can't do our job properly. That's, that's fantastic. Then that makes a lot of sense because it's, it, it, it's um, delightful to, to hear and, and that it's more than just managing money and getting a specific return. I think sometimes people get too caught up in saying, well, well what'd you give me on my money? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Interesting. Or, or, you know, what am I paying you and what'd you get of my money? Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot more to that and a lot of value add and a trusted advisor that your approach really brings. 
Yeah, we we obviously want to get the best returns we can, but no advisor can promise that they're going to get better returns than the advisor down the street or than any other investment product that's out there. Um, Interestingly, we just did a big client event just before the holidays, and we asked people what they liked about working with us. It was a big client event, and nobody wrote on there the fact that it was returns that we were we were getting them. Um, not that we again don't strive for that, but that's not really what working with a financial advisor is really all about. I think that's kind of a misconception that people have: is hey, I'm working with a financial advisor so I can get eleven point four percent if the market gets ten point three. I don't I don't really think that's what it's about. Are we trying to do to 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 put the your money in the best position we can to get the best return we can? Absolutely, yes. Are we using products that have historically done that? Yes. Can we promise they'll continue to do that? Absolutely not. There's, there's no there's no way we can promise that. And there's no way that any advisor can promise that. So it's about trying to make smart decisions and keep people from making bad emotional decisions or bad or even using bad logic to make decisions and try to point out ways that we can make them more efficient, either by uh, helping them avoid taxes or by uh, using a vehicle that they might have overlooked uh, by trying to do things on their own or whatever the case might be, just trying to make the whole system and the whole process more efficient. That's great. Do you think of what you do as helping with estate or legacy planning? Uh, yes, especially these days. One of the things that was a driver of me getting into this business was my parents had a financial planner that they worked with locally here. And my mom, my stepdad passed away. And my mom became terminally ill and I went in, I wasn't in this business yet. I was still in the CPA world back then. So I went into my uh, mom's financial planner and said, listen, my mom is terminally ill. Is there something we should be doing to get ready for when she moves on to the next world? Is there anything we need to do now to make sure we're ready? He says, nope, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. You're in good hands with us. You just worry about your mom and take care of what you need to work with. And we'll take care of everything else as far as the investments go. And I was relieved. I was happy. Uh, came out of there saying, hey, it's one less thing on my plate right now. I can go worry about mom some more. Well, a couple uh, months passed by. My mom passes away and I go back to the financial planner. He looks at her paperwork and says, oh, this isn't very good. Said, what's what's the problem? She goes, your mom didn't have any beneficiaries named on her IRA accounts. And I said, well, I came in here a couple months ago with that intent to say, hey, is there anything we need to do? And you said we were fine. Well, I decided when I walked out that door, I could do better than that clown. And uh, 100% of our clients with qualified accounts have named beneficiaries on their accounts. So just by having named beneficiaries, that is that addresses estate planning to a degree. We're doing a lot more of that now um, with uh, some recent changes that have come down with some changes in laws that cause uh, accelerated liquidation of inherited accounts in some cases. Well, if people have beneficiaries in different tax brackets, we might want to change beneficiary percentages based on trying to make the beneficiaries themselves more tax efficient as well. So uh, absolutely, yes, we're very involved in estate planning by making sure people have beneficiaries, by encouraging people to have trusts, by encouraging them to have wills. And we actually think trusts, if done right, are more important than wills. And uh, by making sure that we're doing things by naming their beneficiaries as efficiently as possible as well, and then continuing to monitor that as time goes by. So if someone comes to you for a financial plan and their family members have questions, are you able to to kind of help with that too? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, with the permission of the client, of course, but yes. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of the common issues you help with or challenges? 
I think the most common is people just don't really, a lot of times when people sit down in our chairs here for the first time, they don't really know what their retirement picture looks like. So we try to tell them our goal in a first meeting is to say, we want you to walk out of here with a more clear picture, a better, a more peaceful feeling about your long-term financial picture than you've ever had before. And I think that's the biggest thing is people just don't know. And then once we were working with people for a long time, I had a meeting today where we introduced the idea of charitable giving to somebody for a first time and how we can stack deductions in one year versus another year and take advantage of an itemized deduction one year and then a standard deduction the following year. Uh, this particular client's in a position that has a little more income now than they've ever had before, and it looks like it's going to be sustainable. So they want to make sure that they're doing the best thing from a tax perspective they can do uh, for their deductions as they relate to their investments. So that's something we tackled today. So um, it, it kind of runs the gamut, but it all centers around trying to make, thing ever, make things as efficient as possible, as possible for them and for their beneficiaries down the road. Fantastic. What are some common misconceptions about financial planning? Oh, boy. Uh, good question. I'd say the biggest one, I'd say the biggest thing that the biggest harbinger, the biggest thing, the biggest thing that gets in the way of getting people into our chairs is probably the fear about just the people in the industry. One bad apple can ruin 99 good apples. Um, and there's still we still get a lot of questions even today, even though it's been several years now about Bernie Madoff. What, how do you know? How do we know that you're not going to be the next Bernie Madoff? Um and I don't know if there's any ever anything you can say that's going to completely diffuse that. But um, in today's world, most financial planners like me, most registered investment advisors have custodians, which custody clients' assets. We happen to use Charles Schwab through our business, um, but uh, there's an, any number of reputable um, custodians out there. Whereas Bernie had, was taking actual custody of his client's money and using it for his own purposes. We don't custody any money through here. So that's that helps get over that fear a little bit, I think. Uh, so that's probably the biggest one misconception out there or more, biggest fear anyway, is that, uh, you know, something bad might happen because this guy might be a bad guy. But most of the people in this industry are good people. So it sounds like there's a misconception about a lot of the protections that people have. Yeah, that's, I'd say that's correct. Yeah. And I was kind of, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know that question was coming. So I didn't, maybe didn't give it a very good prepared answer, but yeah, there's a misconception about the safeguards that are in there to protect the consumer or the investor. And uh, one of them is by having your assets custodied at a large custodian, such as Schwab or Fidelity, or uh, in the old days, we used to use TD Ameritrade when that was, they, they got rolled into Schwab, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of good custodians out there and there are a lot of safeguards in there for, for investors. Would you mind sharing a story, of course, observing confidentiality, about mm -hmm. a client, things really going right or a big win for a client? A big win for a client. Uh, well, yeah. Or maybe just a good success story, a fun or a good one. Yeah, I've got one we can use. I've got a client that is actually lives up in your area there. And I've been working with him for about 20 years now. And he used to work for the airlines. And he worked for an airline that used to be headquartered out of Chicago, but during his career got bought out by TWA, which was headquartered out of St. Louis. And he was getting to be in his early 60s at this time when TWA took over his airline. So uh, his wife found out about me through a referral and asked, called me up and said, hey, Jim, I, I want you to have come meet with us. And I understand you do planning but you need to tell my husband that he can retire because I'm tired of him flying back and forth 
to St. Louis every week because that's what he had to do for his new job. He had to leave on Monday morning, fly down to St. Louis, was there all week, came back on Friday afternoon. He says, I want him to retire and I want somebody to tell him that he can afford to do so. And I said, well, I can only do that if that's the truth, but let's take a look and see if, if that's the truth. So we had our meeting and lo and behold, their finances were good enough where he could afford to retire. And he was about 62 or so at the time. I don't remember exactly, but he was about 62 or so years old. And I just couldn't convince him that his numbers were good enough. Some people, you can triple their money on them and they're just not going to be convinced. So he wasn't convinced, even though I told him. Uh, so he decided not to retire yet. So another couple of years go by and I'm still working on him. She's working on him to retire. I'm telling him he can retire. Uh, he eventually finally does retire at about age 65, about three years later. And now it's he's about 80 years old now. And uh, has a happy ending. He's still alive today. He's happily retired. And now when every time he comes in, he goes, Jim, I knew I should have listened to you back when I, was, <laughs> I knew what you told me, but I just wouldn't believe it. But now I realize I could have retired and I wish I would have retired three years earlier. But I'm glad I talked to you when I did, because who knows how old I would have been when I ultimately retired if I didn't go at 65. It took me three years to listen to you. If I would have waited another three years, I might have went, I would have worked another three years potentially. So uh, I guess that's one one version of a success story we've had with a client. That's a great success story because you had the patience to, you were there for him and well, his family and helped him get through his process, even though it wasn't exactly what his wife wanted. Right. But, yeah. But that, yeah. that persistent nurturing and being that trusted, true trusted advisor finally got him to where he wanted to be. Yeah, and they're great people. And it, and again, with a lot of people, it's pretty common for people to not think they have enough, even if they do have enough. So again, it's a lot of people, you could double their money on them and they still wouldn't think it's enough, even if it's enough as it is. So a lot of people struggle with that. They, they're used to having a company be their paycheck and now they're going to be their own paycheck out of their own savings. And it's just a tough leap of faith for them to make that they have enough. They've amassed enough in their nest egg to be able to to pull that trigger and to start using themselves as their income source rather than their employer. Yeah. Now I could, I could imagine that's a huge transition. What are one of your, what are some of your biggest challenges right now? Challenges uh, again, kind of getting over people's fears. Um, this is an election year. So the last time we had an election year, <laughs> it was almost comical how, when the phone would ring, especially in, in September and October, uh, you think that their fortunes are tied to their candidate. Uh, so we'll get the conservative clients that would call up and say, hey, if that Biden wins, sell all my investments, everything's going to go south. I'm out of here. Don't just sell all my investments. And then five minutes later, a liberal client would call and they say, hey, if that, that Trump wins, everything's going to go down. It's going to go south. I'm going to get, get me out. Get me out. So in reality, portfolios have very little to financial management, Wall Street has very little to do with what goes on in Pennsylvania Avenue or Capitol Hill, but people can't get past that either. That's a very diff difficult thing for people to realize. So uh, election years tend to be difficult years and it's getting people to believe that whatever they're reading in the headlines is not translating directly down to their uh, long-term financial plan. Gotcha. Yeah, I could see how that would be an enormous challenge. What do you like best about being a financial planner? What do I like best? Helping people. I mean, the stories like the client I told you about who retired ultimately because our math told him that he could. Um, I have another client who has, uh, they he, he was already retired, 
when he started working with us, but he didn't realize he could spend as much as he thought he could spend. So he's drives fancier cars and has golf memberships and flies first class now. So giving people those parts of their lifestyle that they maybe didn't realize they could have. And by just helping people and making people, make them feel good that they've got some sense of direction long-term that's, that's by far the best thing about this um, and helping young people make good decisions and trying to get them on the right track and seeing what an, what a profound effect making some subtle changes can have on somebody's long-term wealth prospects. Yeah. I think that's a very under-acknowledged aspect of financial planning. So who is an ideal client for you? Ideal clients would be, it's a pretty broad base. I know a lot of, a lot of people in our industry saying, Hey, we need to niche ourselves a little bit. Uh, We're looking to work with good people who realize the value of having a financial advisor. Um, I guess if somebody is very skeptical about what an advisor can do and is going to, and it's going to be a tough bridge to get over that, maybe that might be a little too big to to leap over. So we're looking to work with good, solid, high quality people who realize that there's probably some good benefit to working with an advisor that have an investable base. We don't really have an investment minimum, but we want to be able to help you turn your nest egg into something meaningful for next of kin uh, and for you. Uh, and um, by having some a base of invested assets, that's a good place to start. But we do not officially have any minimums that uh, that we require. So someone that appreciates that is looking for a trusted advisor to help them see the bigger picture, mm-hmm. and financial planning being a big part of that, but mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of coach and advisor. Yep. And, and we're really kind of, I mean, you can see how I'm dressed now. I'm, uh, this is a normal day for me. I'm in a polo shirt. Uh, we're, I'm not a shirt and tie guy. So if you're looking for the stuffy shirt and tie coat, formal presentation, then maybe I'm not your advisor. We're not your people here. And everybody in the office here kind of has the same uh, mindset. We're pretty business casual around here. We tend to be conversational. We're more Main Street than we are Wall Street. So we're looking for people who kind of match that persona. We're not looking for the the stuffy shirt. If you're coming to our office in a shirt and tie, uh, and that's, and you know, and if you go to a barbecue in a shirt and tie, then that's probably not the right client for us. <laughs> so how do these clients find you? Well, uh, we're located in West Dundee. We have an office in West Dundee. We also have an operation in Florida and one in Maui, Hawaii as well. Uh, we're on the web at www.jghfs.com. And our office phone number is 847-428-3997 in Illinois. And uh, no matter which office you're looking for, that that phone will ring uh, no matter where in the country you're calling. So, And we'll also add some links to all your info in the show notes. Okay, great. Thank you. So thank you everyone for listening. This has been a Legacy Leaders podcast with your guest host, Adam Diamond. My guest today was the legendary Jim Hendricks, the financial the other one. The other one (laughs) with Hendricks Wealth and Estate Management Services. And so for more information, you can visit his website or check into the show notes. Thank you again for joining me, Jim. And thank you, everyone, for joining the podcast. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.